A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby Austin far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 15-10-5 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska Church of the Corn podcast. This is Fitz. I'm here with Drake and our guest Robin Washett from On Three. I was really making sure that I, I got the branding correct. Nicely done. Nicely yeah, done. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's kind of been fumbling through that with with everything. Um, before we actually get to the genesis and the where On Three looks like it might be going, what what's your background with uh, Husker sports uh, recruiting? Uh, reporting all of all of that sorry yeah uh so um basically i've been covering nebraska athletics in some capacity since 2001 when i was a freshman in college i started working for the daily nebraskan and the nebraska volleyball team was my very first beat and they went on to go to a final four that year and um, the very next year uh, i lucked into being able to cover football in 2002 so that was my first year covering Nebraska football. And I think outside of 2007, when, after I graduated from college, I got a job out in Western Colorado at some podunk newspaper. Uh, that was the one year I did not cover Nebraska football at some level. So basically since 2002, I've covered Nebraska football in some capacity every season. And I got hired full-time um, with uh, the NebraskaRivals.com site at the time, um, uh, 2008, summer of 2008, and had been there for 14 years until 
um, June 1st when we made the move over to on three. So we're the Nebraska on three site uh, to be named officially on September 1st. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the, the gist of it as far as uh, my background with Nebraska sports. Now, Robin, when did you really start getting into the basketball side of it with Nebraska sports? Yeah, I probably would have been um, shortly after I took over uh, with the, the rival site. Uh, you know, football and men's basketball, men's basketball recruiting were kind of my three big things. Uh, so, you know, that was right, right after Doc Sadler took over. So there really wasn't, you know, much excitement on the recruiting front. But when Tim Miles took over, um, that they kind of embraced recruiting coverage uh, to a much different extent than, than Doc staff did uh, and were you know, really helpful to me and, you know, kind of helped me get, uh, you know, more involved in that capacity. And so, you know, obviously they went to the tournament in year two. And so the interest level kind of picked up. And so that's really, you know, I'd been doing it for a few years before then, but when Tim Miles took over, I would say was when basketball started becoming a, a real thing that, uh, you know, I, I paid a lot of attention to and you know, people were showing a lot of interest in. Is it, does it really connect that much to how much, when you said Doc, and I don't know if it was just player retention or just that wasn't his style, are you is what you're able to do driven by the access the coach gives you? I know it's a little bit different with the with digital right now and and everything that's out there, but it, it's interesting to hear that once Tim Miles came in, that it sounds like the recruiting of the recruitment into Nebraska basketball and your coverage of it really expanded. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is how receptive a staff is. Um, you know, there are some coaching staffs that want absolutely nothing to do with the media. They don't want anybody touching their recruiting efforts or their strategies. They don't want any leaks or anything like that. And then there's other staffs that are all for it. You know, they want as much exposure as they can get. Um, you know, they're going to uh, be transparent and tell you all sorts of things and, and, you know, be much more available than others. And so that makes a big difference. So people were like, you know, wow, like Nebraska's never recruited like this when Tim Miles is like, well, I mean, they recruited, but nobody knew about it. Everything was done behind the scenes under Doc. And, you know, I, I was a young kid, so maybe they didn't take me very seriously. Uh, but, you know, I tried to reach out and you know, they were kind of like, okay, sure. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. But, you know, when, when Tim and his staff, which, you know, had some younger coaches that at the time weren't too far off from my age demographic that, you know, they were more willing to work with. And, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, help me out and I was able to help them out. And so those are the types of relationships that relationships that you build that, you know, make covering recruiting um, successful or non-existent, depending on just the relationships you have with the staff and, and how receptive the, the staff is to working with you. And it seems like that was probably a smooth transition with, with Hoiberg and his first staff when he, staff, excuse me, when he arrived uh, at Nebraska and, and obviously Matt was a big big part of recruiting East Coast yeah. stuff like that so I'm guessing you probably got more information than you really wanted or more access or was it was it the same yeah I mean so I mean obviously with Matt it was Matt you know I mean he kind of drove the ship and um, everything went through him uh, with Tim's staff you know they had several guys that were all doing recruiting and everybody kind of had their own angles they were working and so you kind of had to cast a wider net so to speak to, to get information where with matt it was basically who's he going after who's he talking to because those are probably the recruits that nebraska is going to pursue so 
it was a totally unique dynamic when Fred first took over with, with that system he had in place with Matt, where you had a full-time assistant coach that did zero on-court coaching. It was strictly there to assemble a roster and, and recruit. And so that was unique. Um, you know, obviously Matt was great uh, to, to work with from my end. Um, they had a lot of success recruiting high-profile players. It obviously never translated into uh, on-court success as far as becoming an actual team. But from mm-hmm. a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, things that the interest level uh, was probably as high as it's ever been. Obviously, get you know five stars and top twenty classes will do that. Um, you know, again, obviously, there's that other box of making it work uh, come the season. But um, you know, that kind of showed just the emphasis that they had on recruiting and with the unique approach that they had. Uh, you know, it it made for covering recruiting different than any other staff that I had experienced, even going back to Tim's Tim staff. Now, I don't want to get too much into it, but um, do you think that setup that Fred had when they originally showed up with Matt handling all the recruiting led to some of their problems of not translating it to the floor? You know, you can make that case, obviously. Um, there was no other other player on that staff that was more responsible for the players that they had on the floor. Uh, and so the fact that it didn't work, you know, it's pretty easy to point the, the finger there. But uh, – you know, it's hard to say because they had that exact same approach at Iowa State. They did the exact same thing, and it worked yeah. through, you know, in a great success. So why it didn't work here, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think the Big Ten had a lot to do with that, and the fact that the transfer portal era had uh, you know, evolved the way that it has to where they tried to go with the exact same game plan, and everybody else was doing that game plan now. And so, you know, they tried to basically just copy and paste what they did names. And to an extent it worked. Like I said, they, they got highly touted high profile recruits, uh, but you know, they were talented individuals that didn't work together. And so that's kind of where you put the blame to where you got to wonder where the priorities were, were they just recruiting guys that, um, you know, Matt knew or uh, had relationships with, or had a high star ranking next to their name or, and how much um, evaluation was going into how each one of those pieces would work together with not only the current roster that they'd be joining, but with what Fred Hoiberg wanted to do. Did they have players that fit, truly fit, what was going to be successful to run Fred's offense and also what was going to be successful in the Big Ten, which, uh, as everyone knows, is a much different brand of basketball than the Big 12. I always felt like... Go ahead, Drake. Sorry, I was just going to say, I always felt like it looked like they were just grabbing everything they could, throwing it at the wall and hoping it formed together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to jump to that conclusion just because of the what we saw. I mean, obviously, the, the fit was a big issue. You know, like I said, they had a lot of talented individuals, but none of them worked together. Like, there was no chemistry at all, and when there was a semblance of chemistry, it was at the very end of the season when everything was far too little too late. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of issues. Roster management was right. a big component of that. Um, but, you know, there, there's other things involved. And you know, you, you've seen players actually come out like Kobe Webster last year when he was talking about just the his opinion, the lack of accountability, you know, and that, that Fred needed to take a firmer hand and keeping guys in line and being more direct with his expectations. And so, you know, you go back to that uh, meeting that 
just like Scott Frost had with Trev Alberts that Fred had with Trev. I think that a lot of those issues were laid out and you kind of look at what Nebraska's done since the end of last season. It's very similar to, um, you know, the approach where they had with football to where they're a pretty direct plan that's being put in place to recruiting guys that um, are much different types of players than they previously recruited to where they're not the highest profile guys, but, you know, they are guys that, that check a lot of other boxes, you know, defensive oriented guys, veteran players, uh, strong vocal leaders, uh, guys with winning experience, those types of things that kind of address all of the intangibles that the previous types of players they were recruiting did not check. And so there seems to be a, a, a much more concentrated effort to get a different type of profile of player and building the team around different priorities than maybe there had been in the past. And I think that um, there's a kind of program wide change of approach with how they're doing everything to where Fred is significantly more involved in everything. He's on the road recruiting. He's uh, taking a much more active role in identifying prospects and evaluating players. And, uh, you know, before it was Matt would get his guy, bring him on campus. Fred would be the closer and they'd get the, the, the state seal the deal. Well, now Fred's the one out there scouting guys and interacting with not just the players, but their parents and the coaches and all that sort of thing where, you know, I don't know how much of that he was doing in the past. And clearly that's, that's pretty important <laughs> you need that yeah. to, to be more involved in, in identifying the types of guys he needs to be successful with what he wants to do. So why did it take three years to get to this point? I don't know. Um, but uh, I guess if nothing else, they're trying something different. And so far over the last few months, there's some tangible evidence that um, they're actually backing that, that new plan up. They're going a little bit of a different direction. And now we'll see just how different it actually looks once the season starts, or if it's just going to be more of the same. Well, you you brought up Frost and football and 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 Alberts, right? Really, where I was going to try to get this conversation into. So, thank you for you know, doing <laughs> doing our job for us. We appreciate it. <laughs> At least we're finally we finally have a professional on our, yeah, on our podcast, Drake. So this this works out. <laughs> um, but the you you talk about football and basketball, and there's too many just eerie similarities over the last three years, like you said. Um, and you talked about, you know, bringing guys in for basketball and looking at, you know, with, with Coach Matt, the talent and all that, and then just bringing them in. Well, connected to that in football is the short turnaround because of the transfer portal. And now NIL becomes a big part of that. I guess I'm just kind of wondering if you see not – a, not a question about sustainability, but are you concerned that because it's happening so quickly – are they again like like Drake mentioned, you know, throwing stuff against the wall? You talked about the type of players that they're bringing in, veterans, if you will, leaders, um, guys that are a little bit more specific to, you know, whether it's defense or you know things like that. How how are you kind of looking at where Husker football has been? Let's say in the last um, you know six to nine months. Yeah, well, I mean. As far as winning the offseason, I don't know how much better they could have done, uh, just given the state of the program uh, at the end of November compared to where it is now. Uh, it's been pretty impressive, uh, in my opinion. Um, obviously, the staff shakeups were a huge part in that. To be able to get guys like Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush, Mark Whipple, 
um, you know, th those are coaches that, you know, I, I think a lot of people were surprised Scott was able to get just given the uncertainty around his future. So that was a huge first step. And then you look at what they've been able to do in the transfer portal with the amount of transfers they've added to this roster. You know, there's going to be some long-term questions that come with that. Um, you know, obviously the, the class is going to go, uh, you're, you're really senior heavy, you're, you're upperclassmen heavy with all these transfers. And so in a year or two from now, there's going to be a lot of spots to fill. And you're going to be a young team. But the reality of the situation is they had no choice. They had to win now. Uh, you don't worry about 23, 24 if you don't do what you're supposed to do in 22. I mean, this is a must-win season where a 500 record in a bowl game are the absolute bare minimum bar that's set for you in order to remain the head coach at the University of Nebraska. So, um, you know, Scott went and I'm sure made a lot of difficult decisions. Um, you know, taking his hands off the offense is a big part of that. Uh, he was talking to a lot of players over the course of the offseason. I mean, Whipple is running that show. He's the one that's running all the meetings and it's, it's his offense where Scott comes in, you know, gives his two cents, you know, goes over the game plan, but it's Whipple's offense and Scott, it's always been his offense since he's been a head coach. And so, um, you know, the other day I was talking with Matt Masker the other day, just casually, you know, chopping it up. And I asked him how, how Scott's been handled this. He's like, yeah, it's been tough for him. Like and Matt knows as much as anybody he's been around for you know, what, four years now. And so, you know, he, he's seen how big of a transition this has been for Scott. And so that I think says a lot about just kind of the, the strides being made here to try to make this thing happen um, to where Scott's given up a, a lot of say in what they do uh, as far as access knows, but he's also doing things that if he wants to be that CEO, everybody talks about, these are things that I think are absolutely necessary for that to happen. So they're putting in all their chips for this year, they had no choice but to do that, and we'll see how it pays off. Um, you know, they were obviously we always say they were the best three and nine team of all time last year, but you just look at the metrics. I mean, they they're not that far off, and so now that you've made these changes, you got all these instant impact players. Um, you, know, you got a different bit of approach. You're prioritizing special teams. Odds are, you should be in position to achieve that bare minimum goal of getting to six wins, and so. You know, then you address those long-term issues that we talked about. And, you know, that's, that's a welcome problem to have. Like you, you will gladly take those on and deal with them uh, if you get the opportunity to do so. But uh, for that even to be a thought in their mind, they have to get through this season. And so that's why every decision that's been made has been all about making 2022 as successful as possible. As far as roster composition goes, and even the coaching changes on the offensive side of the ball, do you think that they've covered up enough of those holes to, to get there um, and actually show more than a six win improvement? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm reluctant to go much past them being six and six right now until they actually do it. I mean, we've been saying eight and four, nine and three for the last four years and they haven't even come anywhere close to it. So, you know, it, it all sounds good right now. All the reports I mean, we've, we've watched, I think, uh, a total of one half of tackle football from this team since all these new changes have been made. And that was with all the backups in, in the spring game. So uh, everything that the uh, you know reporters have heard and are reporting is all second and third hand information. So we don't know. Um, the only people that know are the ones that are on the field. And it seems like the kind of consensus is 
they're happy with the progress made, but everyone knows the reality that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, especially with a shortened off season. The fact that they're traveling to another country to play their first game against a division opponent, you know, there's so much at stake with how they start. And if they win that Northwestern game, suddenly odds are you're three, and zero for the first time under Scott Frost. And you, for the first time you have, early season momentum you're undefeated probably going into Oklahoma and who knows what they're going to be this year you know I mean for them to be a consensus top five team right now I think is maybe being overly generous just considering all the all the transition they're going through right now so anyway what long story short is that yes they seem to have been making a lot of really good moves considering their situation but how how much of an immediate impact is that going to be I don't know. There's still a lot of questions on the offensive line. We have no idea what Casey Thompson is. Uh, you know, the defensive line is completely overhauled uh, outside of a handful of guys. And so, you know, there's just a lot of questions that we will not have answers to at all until they actually take the field on August 27th. So I'm reluctant to say that all these changes are for sure going to do the trick, but if nothing else, you know, at least they tried. you know, they, they, Scott went out of his comfort zone he did things that I'm sure he did not want to do, and uh, he did it for uh, the sake of this program and for the sake of his his job here. So we'll see if it works, but if nothing else, it will not be for a lack of effort on his part. With with the new guys you talked about, with just so many uncertainties, are there a couple of guys that are returning, whether they were starters last year or guys that were you know on the two deep that we kind of see coming into their own that you feel – like if you had to put their name in, in, in concrete, that would be, you know, rock solid. And then I guess kind of tying it into that, are there, are, are, is there a coach or two that you have a lot of confidence in that their group is just going to come out and, and kind of just be where it needs to be, let's say on August 27th? Yeah. So as far as players go, I mean, the most obvious guy in my mind is Garrett Nelson. Uh, I think he had a fantastic off season. He looks like a totally different player. He's reshaped his body to be a traditional you know, defensive end. They list, still list him as a linebacker. He's an end or an edge, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he is, I mean, he's a surefire captain. I mean, he's going to be the face of that program. The guy that talks after every game and every Monday press conference. And so he's going to be the, be vocal leader of that team. Who's going to be arguably their best defensive player. So uh, that is a big part of it. And, you know, the additions they've made are certainly going to help him, you know, getting Ochan on the other side is going to free him up to, I think, maximize his potential even more. You know, really that defensive on all three levels, that defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I'm, we, I, we know what Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer are going to be. They're mainstays. They both played over 700 snaps last year. I think third and fourth on the team respectively behind only Jojo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt. So they're about as, uh, consistent uh, and steady pieces on that defense as you're going to find. And then Quentin Newsom, I think is going to be in for a really good year. Tommy Hill has been getting a lot of rave, but you know, Travis Fisher just raved about Quentin Newsom saying that he's carrying himself like a pro and really kind of answering the call of what they needed him to be to fill those Cam Taylor bridge shoes. So, you know, I think all three levels of the defense have a guy like that, that, that you're talking about. Now the issue is on the other side of the ball, you know, off, offensive line we don't know um Turner Corcoran should be that guy but is he he struggled last year and he's probably gonna be playing a different position on the right side of the line this year 
Teddy Prohaska has as high of a ceiling as anybody on that offensive line, but he's coming off an injury. You know, how, how healthy is he right now? And where is he going to be in his development? So that whole unit is a major question mark still in my mind, obviously with a new position coach that we know nothing about in Donovan Riola. Um, we'll see how his new approach tries to improve that group that really, really struggled last year. And then obviously Casey Thompson, you know, he's kind of being penciled in as the the, the guy, but you know, I, I don't know. I I think the book's still out on him, in my opinion, he's doing all the right things. He's saying all the right things, but uh, we have yet to see him respond when the bullets are actually alive. So still a question mark there, you know, wide receiver, they, that's the deepest position on the offense by far. Um, Omar Manning certainly has that potential to be a guy if he can actually live up to it, but he has yet to live up to it on a consistent basis. So we'll see on that. Um, as far as returning guys then on, at the, on offense, you know, Ramir Johnson is going to be a factor. I'm really curious to see how they use him. It sounds like he's splitting out wide being more of a receiver uh, than he has been. So they're doing a lot of different things with him. So he's the guy to keep an eye on as, as far as that known commodity on an offense that is full of new faces and new weapons. You know, he, he was their best running back last year and he's going to be a factor in that rotation. I don't know about a starter at this point, but they're finding different ways to get him involved in the offense that make him an intriguing player, if nothing else. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. I think the way they're using Ramir is interesting. Um, talking about changes and everything like that, going back towards basketball, has that staff been rounded out officially yet? Um, what's the scholarship situation going on with the team? Yes, they fully, uh, I guess they filled their staff uh, back in the spring when they hired Adam Howard uh, from South Alabama. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is kind of made his hay as a, a defensive-minded coach. He runs a kind of a press man um, type defense where uh, he's obviously doing three quarter, even full court press runs a lot of zone as well in the half court. Uh, Fred usually hasn't done a lot of zone. There's a lot of coaches like Fred, like 10 miles before him, like doc. They don't like running zone. They only like to do it when they have to, but it seems like they're kind of embracing that. And it's interesting, you know, you look at their lineup, you know, they, they've increased their front court size a little bit, but really, on the perimeter, they got a lot of long athletic guards that take up a lot of space. And if you play a zone, that obviously is very conducive to running a successful zone defense. So I'm really curious to see just what they look like defensively. That's clearly been a uh, major liability for them the last few years uh, with defense and rebounding, um, rim protection, all that sort of stuff. And I think with the way they reshape their roster, they've, address those areas to some degree so curious to see how that all pays off so uh, the full-time assistants adam howard armand gates and nate lenzer um, those two are back so those are the three full-time guys they're not replacing doc sadler's special assistant to the head coach role um so that that uh that position is void and they are at their 13 allotted scholarships for next season uh, they technically were over as they were waiting for the decisions on Latin and Trey McGowan's, both of, both of those guys officially moving on. They are back down to 13. And, uh, you know, you never say never with 
basketball, especially uh, roster attrition, uh, especially the off season. So it might we'll not be done the, yet. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you never say never, but right now it appears they are for the most part settled. If there is any further movement, it might be, might be one piece between now and the end of the summer. So, um, but they are, you know, they started workouts on Monday this past Monday. Uh, they did like kind of the initiation with getting guys registered to classes, physicals, concussion testing, all that sort of stuff. Um, and right now, the only players that aren't on campus as of recording time, Keisei Tomonaga, he's back in Japan. Um, he's currently trying out for the senior Japanese national team that will, if he makes it, uh, compete in the uh, FIBA World Championships in Australia later this summer. So if he doesn't make the cut, he could be back in June or July. Uh, if he does make the cut, he might not be back until August. So kind of some unknowns about just when he'll actually okay. make it back. Uh, something to keep an eye on there. Uh, and the only other guy is Emmanuel Bandamel. Uh, he's the senior guard transfer from SMU. No concerns there he's an international student. And so there's just some extra paperwork that Nebraska has to do to get him registered, uh, you know, cleared and all that sort of stuff academically that should be finalized um, by early this week. So, uh, so Nebraska is not concerned at all about that. And, you know, he's not an academic issue whatsoever. He's graduated. He was on a roll type guy. So it's just a matter of getting the paperwork filled out. So okay. Other than that, um, everybody else is here, accounted for. Uh, I think as of late last week, they started doing their small group workouts. They're doing this uh, summer strength and conditioning program and obviously getting uh, underway in classes. I think everybody's taken about six hours uh, to try to get you know, the ball rolling on that end of it too. So the offseason is officially underway for Nebraska, and I think the official full team practices will begin sometime in – August. That's usually about when those things get rolling. I want to get back to the kind of the bigger, the on three talk here. Um, but before I do that, I know Drake's a, a basketball guy, has some uh, collegiate coaching experience. You've been with, you know, following and, and connected to that team for many, many years. And maybe I'm, I'm missing something and I'm hoping maybe I'm not the only one thinking about this, but the Huskers have historic, well, let's not say historically last few years, really, really poorly defending the three, right? Guys that come into a game, you know, they've, they're one out of their last 10. They go, um, they yeah. go, you know, four out of five. They're the medicine for everybody's three-point shooting. Yeah. Yes. And I, so now in my mind, I'm trying to figure out, they're running man and giving up those looks. Does does the zone, it, it creates where teams maybe want to take more threes? Do, is it easier to defend the three? Part of my mind goes to thinking with the length you talked about, a Jim Boheim, Syracuse type of, you know, whether it's a one high up the floor, one, three, one. Right. Am, am I thinking about this wrong? Um, you know, just kind of educate me guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the general issue with their perimeter defense in the past few years is they had no post depth. And so because of that, they had to really pack the paint. Otherwise, you know, the Luca Garza's or the, whatever it may be, Isaac Haas or whoever. Kofi uh, Coburn. Yeah, Kofi Coburn, you know, you name it. Basically every center in the Big Ten would just have their way with them. And so they had to double and crash on the post okay. to, to basically make teams take a lower percentage shot as opposed to just right at the rim. They had to sacrifice the perimeter. And so that was part of it. But, you know, you go back to last year especially, 
a lot of their issues just came down to effort. You know, guys are just lazy with their closeouts. They weren't even putting hands up. They were just kind of jogging out to feign an attempt at trying to yeah. get distracted a, a shooter. And oftentimes that led to wide open shots. And so some of it was schematic, but just as much of it, in my opinion, just came down to player effort and guys just not caring enough on defense. Yeah. And so that, you know, obviously the, the zone, the way you should beat a zone is by shooting over it more often than not. Uh, so that's, be something but they are a longer um backcourt they got some guys like you know sam grease was a big long guy and annual band is a defensive oriented guy uh, so you know they the roster should be physically ready but i think the the effort is going to be the biggest difference where you okay. got you guys that care you know what i mean you got yeah. you got willing defenders that changes I mean, all of a sudden it looks like what you're drawing up nose wise is <laughs> yeah. a genius and, and so you know Doc Sadler, if there's one thing he could do, he could coach defense. But when you watch Nebraska play, it sure didn't look like they were doing much of any coaching defensively. And I don't put all that on the staff. I put a lot of that on the guys, you know, just caring enough to play hard-nosed defense, especially when their shots weren't falling on the other end. So many times that team left let their offensive struggles impact their effort defensively where they get frustrated they check check out, and then that's when you get that lazy rotations and uh, closeouts on shooters. So, you know, it's kind of just a, a ripple effect of a lot of different things. It's why they were so bad, but certainly the the change and emphasis, um, you know, with the, the new defensive scheme and just the priority that they're putting on defense with, you know, a guy like Adam Howard, who was brought here specifically to uh, bolster their play defensively, you know, in theory, they should be much better. And I think part of that too, they have more post up. You know, you have Derek Walker back, you have Blaze Cada, you have Wilhelm Breidenbach, you have Juwan Gary, who are all quality rim protectors that can allow you to put more of an effort on guarding the perimeter as opposed to having to crash the paint every time somebody gets the ball down there. That's that's good to hear. I, 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 we'd like to see the change. I know Husker fans want to see that change. And there's, you know, the, 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 the grittiness of it, you know, kind of the down and dirty. I don't think anybody's going to be, be too disappointed if that, if that comes through. Um, in, our, in our time remaining, I wanted to get back to the on three, which is the new kind of development with, with even just national recruiting. You've got the on three recruits on, on three NIL. You mentioned earlier that the, the name – for Nebraska fan or the Nebraska site is going to come out in September. I thought it was almost tongue in cheek, like coming soon. I've been looking at that for the last week and like, okay, I don't know if this is a shot at Nebraska, but maybe this is the year. I'm glad to hear that. That's just not really the name. Um, I know there's some, I looked at some of the other university pages and I'm like, yeah, coming soon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that, but that is not the full-time name of the site. There were some, uh, circumstances that came into play where uh our name got uh, put on hold for a few extra days and so september 1st at the stroke of midnight <laughs> we will no longer be nebraska coming soon we will actually have a real website name that many people are already familiar with so uh yeah so we made the change um you know, obviously uh, i was with rivals for 14 years um you know, my, my boss, Sean was there from the beginning, you know, in the early two thousands, you know, 20 plus years. And so, you know, a um, lot of, a lot of good memories there and a lot of great experiences, but, you know, on three is doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, the guy that 
So it's interesting. The guy that started on three is the same guy. His name Shannon Terry. He started Rivals, built it up, sold it to Yahoo for a whole bunch of money. Well, he got decided that he wanted to get back into the business. So once he was able to, he started 24-7, built 24-7 up, turned it into a monster, sold it to CBS. And so now he's starting on three. And so uh, his track record speaks for itself. Uh, the guy knows what he's doing. He's hired a whole bunch of incredibly talented people. Uh, myself withstanding and uh you know there's a lot of you know exciting things that are happening with the network and you know one thing that i really like is so all the national recruiting rankings are different so rivals is basically rivals is rankings the 24 7 composite takes other recruiting um uh rankings and factors them into their 24 7 composite but the majority of the ranking is based on the 24 seven ranking. What makes the on three consensus different is that it's an equal 25% value for on threes rankings, rivals, ESPN, and 24 seven. So in my opinion, that makes it the most accurate um, as far as just being balanced uh, rating system out there that you know, it makes it different and nobody else is doing anything like that. And obviously there's the NIL evaluation um, that they have where it factors in players values based off, not just the deals they're doing, but um, you know, their social media profile and their interactions and all this stuff. There's this crazy algorithm that they have that puts a dollar fig, an estimated dollar figure on every player. And so, you know, there's high school recruits that are in the millions right now. And so it just gives you a idea of, where this college world is, is heading. Uh, but the last thing that I really like about it is um, the, there's the recruiting prediction machine. And so every service has a deal where like analysts make a prediction on where recruits going to go. Like that's nothing new. And, and we have that, but it also factors in stuff like it, it follows the recruit's social media activity. And so like if a guy, kid's like liking a bunch of Nebraska stuff and retweeting Nebraska things, it somehow charts that and that factors into, they call it the RPM, the RPM score for Nebraska. And they base it off geography, like Nebraska's success recruiting this region or this state, uh, where kids from this kid's school generally go to college, where an assistant coach that's recruiting him, what his track record is, is, is in this player's state. So it's like this data that I can barely even put my head around that is factoring in all this stuff that makes it about, as cutting edge as you're going to find in my opinion on the market right now. And you guys are, are you guys still running the, the initial subscriptions special? Yeah. So $1 for the whole year. Um, <laughs> probably, I don't know about as good a deal as you're going to find. So, yeah. And so for the, I think from now until maybe next June 1st, I believe it's, it's $1. So hop on there get read all of our premium content access every team message board. So you don't just get Nebraska. You can look at every other school's board on the on three network, uh, read all of their premium content as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's about as good as deal as you're going to find. And that deal is active now and will be running, uh, I think all the way through fall camp, I believe. So I think by September, I think is when that deal ends out. Awesome. Well, Robin, we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and end on, on that. We want to let our fans know that you're gonna you only get paid based on the amount of Husker subscriptions. So let's let's make sure we go out there and, and get those dollar subscriptions, and then 
uh, roll that into the $99 after after the year. But no, uh, we'd love to uh, talk with you again sometime, get more into depth with the 2023 recruits and see how things are going. So hopefully we can make that make that happen. But thank you for uh, joining us this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, guys. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.